All right. Good morning, everyone. Why don't you find a seat? We'll keep moving with the service. Hope you're all doing well and enjoying the uh, first few days of summer. And uh, we just got back on very early Tuesday morning with the team from Bali. And yes, we were able to justify our missions trip to Bali this year. And uh, we went over there with Red Frogs, if you haven't heard, which is a, a volunteer organization that helps schoolies when uh, schoolies go and party and potentially make uh, somewhat compromising or bad decisions. And so we're there to help them. So we had four of us go over to Bali this year. Uh, Nikki went and served up on the Gold Coast, which was amazing. Did a great job. And uh, we just want to thank you for all your prayers and your support in the five years that Red Frogs has operated in Bali, right in the middle of Party Central in Kuta. It's the first year that Red Frogs have never had to put anyone into the back of an ambulance. So last year we had, uh, what, four Four people in ambulance, we assisted people with methanol poisoning last year and this year uh, we're calling it a healthy year, not a single ambulance had to be called, which is incredible because if the ambulance turns up in an hour, it's a good thing, so it's quite interesting uh, over there with those kind of things, but yeah, a really, really good year, we still had plenty of opportunities to assist young people, some great connections and uh, good things happening, but, uh, but yeah, a really, a really healthy year. So thank you for everyone who is praying for us while we're over there and uh, for the work that happens over there with Red Frogs. If you don't know what Red Frogs is, they are the little Allen's lollies, that's correct. And, uh, but have a look at uh, redfrogs.com.au or find them on Facebook and you'll see some videos of what different teams around Australia did. Christian organization, basically like a, a chaplaincy program to help schoolies uh, at the end of year 12. Well, today we're going to start a, a new series as we head towards this wonderful time of year called Christmas. And uh, as Joel mentioned, we're doing a, a devotion together as a church, which has been a really incredible thing I have found. I've personally found it really encouraging, not as, not as uh, someone who's a part of North Lakes, but just as a dad. To, uh, to see on Instagram and Facebook and all those things are uh, photos of different families and people in our church sitting around the table doing the devotion together. And I, I think it's just an exciting thing that, that we do this. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at day seven and do our devotion together as a family today and, and look at the topic that's in there today uh, for today's reading and today's study and have a look at how we... The, the perspective that we have for Jesus at this time of year, we're going to look at together. And I've got to be honest, um, I think in, in preparing today, there's three times today where I may upset you. Just warning you, three things that may, uh, that may offend some people in the, in the church today. I've already put my mum on notice that she will get offended today. And so that's good. And uh, hopefully she's already done the Christmas shopping. Um, but yeah, I think at this time of year, it's really about getting the perspective of what we're doing and, and who Jesus really is. We, we sung today uh, so much. I don't know if, if, Beck, you chose those songs after looking at what the, the topic was today for the devotion, but 
they were just so good in reminding us of who Jesus really is. We sung about him being the Lord God Almighty. We sung about how powerful his name is, the things that, that he has done for us. But so often at Christmas, we lose perspective of who he is. And that's what I want to have a, a, a talk about today. And, and to be honest, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, I actually find Christmas a bit of a struggle. I often will say to Mel, um, I really don't like this time of year. It's so busy. There's so much pressure. There's, uh, it's so expensive. Uh, there's all these things that are happening. And the reason why I say that I don't like Christmas is not because I don't like the birth of our Savior, but because I don't like everything that has caused confusion and busyness and complexity around something that is the beginning or part of the journey that is the greatest moment that existed in eternity, the birth of the Messiah that redeemed us. And, uh, and so that's why I will say, you know what, I just, I really don't like this time of year. I'm a bit of a Grinch. I, we, we, did, we did Christmas last night. We set the, uh, we set the Christmas tree up and, and uh, I contributed by lifting Carter up to put the star on the top. And then I vacuumed. And, um, and Mel said, oh, well, you didn't do too much. And I said, hey, I did as much as I do every year when it comes to decorating the Christmas tree. But, but that, that's just me. This time of year is I find it a real challenge, not, not because of the birth of our Savior, but because of the complexity and the distraction that, that we have put on that. And, and so I want to have a look at that today, and, and that's in relation to day seven in our study where the reading says, it's from Titus 3 verse 7, so, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. A good thing to remember at this busy time of year. A couple of weeks ago, I was telling all the young people at Wildfire about Magic Eye illustrations. And they were too young to remember it, but does anyone remember Magic Eyes? Excellent. That's great. Well, if you don't know that, we're going to put a a picture up of them. This is what they look like if you haven't seen them before. And they're these crazy like computer generated patterns and 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 they they as a stretch they call them art and um and what's special about them is within them is hidden uh a um like another picture some of them might have like the opera house or a motorcycle or a boat or a plane or an elephant or a lion and and the whole idea of it is if you can look at it in the correct way Hang on, don't, don't look at this one because I don't actually know what's in there. So if anyone can do, I've just realized that. I just Googled it, so it's probably a salvo shield. Um, if, you, um, if you could look at them the right way, which is kind of like stare at them and look past them and that this image pops out of it, it's a hidden image inside of them. And they were all the craze in like the 90s when I was in high school and they... Um, and people would be running around looking at them and they'd come and go, check out this one, it's got the opera house in it. And the problem was, I could never get them to work. No matter how much I tried, no matter how many hours I stared at them, I can never see, so I'm really worried because everyone's looking at this one, I have no idea what's in it. Uh, I could never see the image that was in it. So people would run up to me at school and, and, or wherever and at church and they'd show you, can you see this one? And I'd be like, yeah man, that's amazing. 
that's like the best elephant I have ever seen in my life. And they'd be like, it's a dog. I'm like, yeah, of course it is. I just couldn't see these things. But I think this magic eye is a great illustration to think about at this time of year because here is a messy, complex pattern that is is purposed to distract you. But within it, if we focus correctly, take time out, a hidden message will pop out of it. Something that is far more beautiful than the messy pattern that is up there. And I think that's a great reminder for us at this time of year when the year can feel like this. But if we actually take the time to find the message within the busyness or the pattern or the rote of the year, then we can find the message that's hidden in this time at Christmas. The other thing that I think is interesting is that they call this art because it's like computer-generated pattern. But uh, I also find art a really interesting thing, and this is where I'm potentially going to offend my mum because my mum loves art, and so therefore, by default, my dad does as well, and they love going to art galleries and, and staring for hours at, at paintings and taking my kids along, and, and which is great, and, uh, and going and seeing tours and stuff like that. But, but there's some aspects of art that I... Here we go. I just don't get. And I think it goes back to when I was uh, in year six. I went on a, a school excursion to Canberra, the standard camp that you go to in year six to go and discover Australia. And I remember seeing uh, this tour, and I don't even know where it is, but somewhere in Canberra, uh, is Blue Poles by Jackson Pollock. And uh, it's, it's this one. It looks very much like a magic eye. But the only difference is is that this painting, I still don't believe this, is worth $350 million. Now, this is where I'm going to offend my mum, because to me, that kind of looks like two forklifts with pallets of paint on them in the Dulux factory had an accident, and that's kind of the end result of it. Now, I know that there's an artist involved and a lot of time, and I've just realised that Andrea's here, and she's an artist, and... Oh, and Rebecca as well. Okay, so I'm in big trouble, but I don't want to offend them too much. But it just really fascinates me that this painting is worth $350 million. Because to me, it does look like it's a bit of an abstract painting that just happened by chance, that just kind of happened as a result of something else rather than something that was strategically designed. But again, if at this time at Christmas, we take time out to firstly look past the pattern of the busyness and the messiness and find the hidden message, but also look at something that might just look like chance, might just look like an accident that happened, might just look like something that wasn't intended and realize that behind the strategic design and planning, there is something that has incredible value that is hidden there that we can so often look past. A painting that looks like an accident that's worth $350 million. A moment in time in history that we call Christmas that could look like just any other birth at any other time, but is actually the most valuable thing 
that ever happened in all of eternity. But it's so easy in the busyness of Christmas to lose perspective of who that man was that was born and not realize the value that is really behind it. So the question for today is how do we really picture Jesus? Do we stare at the complexity of the debate, the world we live in, the other confusion that can surround, or can we stare through that and see the miracle of the message that's hidden in that? Do we approach Christmas and stare at the representation of a baby Jesus, of a human, of a good story, or can we look past the stripes and the pretty colors and understand the true value of who he is and what he has done for us? Like, have you ever, and I know you never would have, but have you ever misjudged somebody? You know, looked at an outward appearance or a perspective of someone and, and, and totally got it wrong? Just me? Okay, good. Well, I'll share my shortcomings because I know you guys haven't. But many years ago, uh, my good friend Beachy turned up at my house and he brought one of his friends with him that I had, hadn't met yet, which is not uncommon and uh and so as i open up the door and i see beachy at the bottom of my driveway standing next to him is an absolute mountain of a man he he was a a footballer and he looked like a footballer he had the mullet he had biceps that i don't think i could wrap my arms around if i tried Uh, he was huge he was massive and my instant thought was who is this guy that you're bringing into my house this absolute mountain beast of a man. Some of you probably know him, Mitch Garbett. He's, uh, he was around here a few years ago. He's a footballer. He's a very good footballer. And he turned up at my house and I had the chance to meet him once. And walking into my house, I am thinking, who is this guy you've brought into my house? Like, I've got young kids. He looks like he wants to wrap them in a bread roll and eat them. Like, he's, he's an absolute machine. And so I formed an opinion about this guy in, the, in, in a matter of a few seconds and then was completely blown away when he spent the entire night, instead of watching the movie and hanging out with the boys, rolling around on the floor with my son, Houston, when he was a year old, playing peekaboo. And if you know Mitch, and I only knew him, met him a few times, you know that he's such a lovely guy. And, uh, and, but I completely had this, it's kind of like him, I completely had this perspective of him that was wrong. I completely looked at him incorrectly and judged him based on what I thought he would be like when he was completely different. The other funny story that I have, and I haven't told him that I'm going to talk about him today and he's going to hate it, but the first time I met Chris Bright, he, uh, he walked into church here a few years ago with his lovely wife. And, uh, and I saw, okay, there's, there's a new couple here. And I found Chris, he's going to hate this, to be very intimidating. And if you know Chris Bright, you know how wrong that is. He was uh, standing there with a leather jacket on. He had kind of longish, slicked back hair. And he had tattoos peeking out the top of his shirt. And I'm like, well, this guy is really intimidating. But I'll take one for the team. I'll go and welcome him to church and have a chat. So I walked up and had a chat, and I very quickly found the complete opposite about Christopher Bright. And what I think is really interesting 
when we think about this time of year and the perspective that we have about Jesus is how easily and quickly we can miss the value of a relationship in our life if we don't have the right perspective of the person. So Chris has now become one of my best friends. We just spent two weeks roommating together in Bali doing Red Frogs and we're still good mates. You know, we we survived that. And I I realize and I joke about it with him often that how I nearly missed the opportunity to to meet a friend who is a, a great friend of not just mine but my entire family simply because I put a, a view on him. I had a perspective and judged him from a distance without getting to know him. He could have easily walked out of that church that day, this church, and never come back. And I would have missed the value of the relationship with them in our lives. And how easily can we do that with Jesus if we don't have the right perspective of him? At this time of year, we can get so caught up in the busyness that we can't see past the pattern at the hidden message. We can look at the, the traditions and the, the things that happened in history and think that they're just an accident or by chance and miss the value that is, that is a part of what was actually designed and created to redeem us. And we completely can put Jesus in the wrong place instead of during this season, the greatest time that we have, to put him in the right perspective, the right framework, to remind ourselves that he is the Lord God Almighty. Or we can totally miss that and end up with a wrong perspective. I want to show a clip from a movie. And this is where I will offend the second half of you because it's not a great movie. It's uh, not a movie that I would recommend, and uh, I know none of you have seen it, and that's why I want to show it to you today. Uh, but it's, it's a movie that really, uh, I think, in a very comedic way, because it does star Will Ferrell, talks about how in our human minds we can get so messed up and lose our perspective of who Jesus really is and where he really sits in the world and, it, and what he has done for us. So we're going to have a look at what Ricky Bobby does. Don't laugh. And how he sees Jesus. All right. It is, isn't it true? I, I, know, I know it's a terrible movie, but isn't it true how we can so easily put Jesus into a box and a perspective, particularly at this time of year? And, and I just love in a terrible way how he just refers to him as sweet little baby Jesus, wearing your gold fleeced diapers. And, and, and then the, the table goes around to describe their perspective and their view of Jesus and who he is. And, and I know it's in, intended in humor, but it just shows to me Uh, how we can all have this completely different perspective of who Christ is. And at Christmas, it's so easy to think of him. Still, like she said to him, he did grow up. He didn't stay a baby forever. Because the problem is, and and this this is the point that I have been rambling to get to, that I want us to grab today as we think about day seven in our devotion, 
The problem is, is that if we don't look at Jesus in the right way, and I know we sing about it, and I know deep down we know who he truly is, but if we again get caught up in the busyness of the pattern, or look at the design as an accident, if we get caught up in all of that and we don't look at Jesus the right way, if we don't know who he truly is, then the problem is that we don't know then who we truly are. When our perspective of Christ is wrong, when we put him into a box that keeps him as sweet baby infant Jesus, or thinks of him as a samurai ninja, or a party man, if we, and whatever kind of other Jesus you want to paint a picture of that might be more theologically closer than that movie represented. But when we don't put him in the right perspective, when we don't keep him on the throne, when we don't realize and live out who he truly is, then it actually affects how we see us and who we truly are. And that brings us to the devotion for today that we're looking at as Northeast over this season about the importance of knowing who Jesus really is because it shows us who we really are and that is heirs, heirs to the kingdom. Today's uh, reading is again Titus 3 verse 7 that says, So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. If we get caught up this season or at any time in our life, and put Jesus in the wrong perspective, in the wrong place. It has no effect on him. He's the King, King of kings and the Lord of lords without our validation, without our perspective. He's the word of God, whether we use it or not. It doesn't change who he is, but when we have the wrong mindset about him, it changes who we are. And the Bible clearly tells us that what Christ did for us made us heirs to the kingdom, heirs to the throne, part of the kingdom of God, made us righteous. But when we don't look at him in the right way and don't understand or truly believe it, it only affects who we are. 1 Samuel 18 is in the study today and it talks about David and Jonathan. This is one chapter after David had killed Goliath and he's now part of the army, part of the kingdom and Saul is the king at that time. But previously to this, David had already been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Now it should have been Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. And as you know that the heir to the throne is normally the son, not a farm boy who was out in the the sticks looking after sheep all day and just happened to have a lucky shot at a giant. The rightful next king was Jonathan, not David. And we pick up the story in today's devotion, 1 Samuel 18, verse 4 and 5. The next chapter after David had his showdown with Goliath, so very early in the piece, still teenagers, still very young. Verse 4 says, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well today. The reason why this is a really important story to look at today in our devotion 
is that this is actually an Old Testament representation of what Christ has done for us. This story, these two verses, uh, are a very popular analogy for what, how Jonathan treated David in these two verses shows us how Christ treated us and what he has done for us in his life and his death. It's a, re- it's a representation because if th- there's two things I want to pull out of this this morning. The first thing that Jonathan did was he gave David his robe. Now you might think, well, that's not a big deal. Maybe it was a chilly day and he was just being kind to his friend and, and giving him a robe. But in this time period, the robe symbolized royalty. Jonathan wasn't just wearing something that his mum picked up from Kmart on special He was wearing a robe that symbolized who he was, a prince of the kingdom, the son of the king, the next heir to the throne. And he recognized that David had been anointed by Samuel and appointed by God to be the next king. And so he symbolized that by taking his robe off as a prince, as an heir, and placing it on a farm boy, a shepherd. And what it meant was it gave David recognition. It allowed David to now enter into the king's courts where he wouldn't have been allowed to before. It symbolized that he was no longer just a peasant farm boy, but he was now somebody who was part of the royal kingdom. His dirty old clothes would have excluded him from so many opportunities, but now wearing this robe, meant that he now had different opportunities. He had a different authority. He was able to get into places that he would never have been able to do. And that's why this story represents what Christ has done for us. In his life and his death and his resurrection, it has redeemed us and placed a robe on our shoulders that says we are now heirs of the kingdom. Regardless of the clothes that we wear underwards, the farm that we used to work on, the the status that we have, the things that we have done in the past, the robe that Christ has put upon us in redeeming us now gives us access to the kingdom and makes us an heir. All the people in the army and in the city at that time would have looked at David and recognized him. You You know, there was no Instagram back then. There was no Facebook. Not everyone would have known what Jonathan looked like. They would have known him by name but they would not have known him by face. And so from a distance, and for those that had never met them before, they suddenly would have realized that that man, even though he was a farm boy shepherd with dirty clothes and no experience, was now the heir of the kingdom, was now the future king simply because of the robe that had been put upon him. The second thing that Jonathan did was he took his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt, and he gave them to David as well. Now, armor and weapons were custom-made to fit the person. You, you might remember from the story of David and Goliath, just a chapter early, chapter earlier, Saul tried to give his armor and his weapons to David to go and fight Goliath. And what happened? They didn't fit. They weren't the right size. He wasn't able to go out into battle with him. But just a chapter later, we read that Jonathan gave his perfectly fitting tunic, sword, bow and belt to David to wear. They must have been the same stature for him 
to have something that fit him perfectly. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He has given us, in doing that, not only a robe that says we are heirs of the kingdom, but he has given us everything that we need to succeed. Everything that we need to have a life that keeps us as heirs, overcomers, achievers, conquerors. Like it says, John 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, we are what? Free indeed, depending upon the translation that you choose to read. But that's the thing that this, this story in Samuel symbolizes so much about what Christ has done for us. When we keep him in the right perspective, no longer sweet baby Jesus, but bearded Jesus that grew up, bearded Jesus that gave his life for us and conquered death so that he could put a robe upon our shoulders and equip us with everything that we need to live a life as an overcomer, as a conqueror, and as an heir to the kingdom. You think about what it means to be a prince or a princess, if that works better for you. You think about the access that you have, the life that you can live, and all those things are available to us if only we keep Jesus in the place where he belongs and not misjudge or have the wrong perspective of him and miss the value that his relationship can bring to our life. So three things that we can do to change our perspective. And these are three applications that we can take home this week as we continue to work on our devotions as families, as couples, as a church family together. I wanted to give you today just three things that you can use practically this week and maybe make habits and disciplines in our life to keep during this season of busyness and craziness and tradition and, uh, and pressure that we can keep Jesus in the right perspective and remind ourselves every day that when we have him in the right place, then we know who we truly are, being heirs of the kingdom. So three things that we can do, and I might get the band to come up as we go through them. Number one, you have to take the time. You have to take time. I learned, well, I didn't learn, I was never successful at it, but with those 3D magic eyes, I've never met anyone who could quickly glance at the pattern and straight away see what the image was. You had to take time to relax, to change your focus, to stare into the future and not at immediately what was presented in front of you for the message to be revealed. And to change our perspective of who Christ is and to keep him on the throne that he should be in our lives, we need to take the time. Don't rush Christmas this year. Don't be a Grinch like me and just focus on the busyness and the tradition and the pattern or the things that might look like an accident, but take time to see the value in it. Take time to use these devotions and go on the journey together. Take time to remember that Christmas might be about remembering sweet baby infant Jesus, but it's about remembering that because of his birth, we now wear a robe and are fully equipped as heirs of the kingdom. The second thing is to understand the value. He's not sweet baby Jesus with tinsel. He's our warrior king. This season of time is not just 
a birth that happened out of marriage and by accident. It's not just a painting that looks like a a small explosion in the Dulux factory. It's a season, it's a time that has so much value. $350 million value is nothing compared to what Christmas really means to us as heirs of the kingdom. And the second thing that we can do is to understand the value in what this time means for us. Every day is an opportunity to worship and to thank God for what he's done. Every day is an opportunity to get the shopping done, to buy the Christmas ham, to wrap the gifts, to hang the Christmas lights on your house if your wife forces you to do it also. But every day this season is an opportunity to remind ourselves and remember the value of what's happened for us. And the third thing that we can do is to get to know Him. Sounds pretty simple. But the greatest way to spend time with someone, the greatest way to understand the value of someone is to actually get to know Him. And that's what this devotion is intended to help us with, is to spend more time this season getting to know Jesus, the warrior king, not the sweet baby infant that appears on the Christmas card that you get from your neighbor, but to get to know who he truly is. And I can't help but think of the opportunity that I could have missed for my entire family to not take time to get to know Christopher Bright. I could have missed that opportunity and that value simply by having the wrong perspective of who he is. And my prayer for this season is that we do not lose our perspective of who Jesus is. That we take the time, that we understand and learn the value of what he's done in the busyness of this season. And each and every day, we get to know him more and more over Christmas. Isaiah 9, it's on the back of your devotion, verse 6 says, For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So much more than a baby born at Christmas time. Even before he was born, the magnitude of what he would do and who he was was prophesied hundreds of years before, all for our benefit. When we know who he is, we know who we truly are and we can walk differently through this season of time and see the hidden message in the pattern and see the value of what may have just appeared to be an accident. Before we worship and sing about him this morning, uh, let's just pray. But I encourage you, get around this devotion as you can. Uh, the best time to start the devotion, if you haven't yet, is today. Don't have to go back to the start, just pick it up from day seven. And let's do it together as a family and keep Jesus in perspective during this season. Lord, we thank you that, uh, that you are good. 
We thank you that you are amazing. And Lord, we just appreciate that this time, every year, we can stop and remember who you are, the significance of this time in the history of eternity, Lord. And and as a church family, as individuals, as families and couples, Lord, I pray that over this time that you would continue to reveal to us who you truly are, that we would continue to see the value in what you have done for us and that you would guide us and show us what that truly means for us. Lord, I pray that we would walk as heirs of the kingdom, that we would face every challenge in our life knowing that you have gone before us, but not only that, you have equipped us, and that every day we would wake and we would arm ourselves, put the armor on that you have given us, and we would continue to be salt and light in this busy time, in this season of so much pressure. Lord, we thank you. Amen.